at the beginning of the year, our Father's heart. We went through the love that he has for us and how even though we know it, we still have to experience it more and more each day. And we have to become secure in that because things are going to come against us and is going to try and get us to doubt whether he loves us or not, but we have to know that he loves us. And then we looked at his heart uh, through prayer and how God knows what we have need of even before we know that we need him. And he offers us, he gives us an invitation to invite him into our circumstances through prayer. Isn't that awesome? So we're not out here alone. He's with us. No matter what we're facing, he's willing to be with But the problem is most of us don't ask him. You know? Or when we ask him, it's like this. We're not really asking. We're just telling him what he ought to do in our circumstance to make us happy. And he's waiting for us to be still and to be quiet so we can hear from him what is best for our circumstance. Amen? And then... Um, we're looking at our father's heart. We began this part of it. The family. I mean, the church. I mean, the family. God's heart is for the church. And the church is an extension of many families that have come together. And um, so his heart is towards the church and it's the big church, which is the universal church, but also the local church, like us, who's part of the big church. But then we're all part of the body of Christ. And so we're going to look at all of this today, but I want to remind you of Matthew 22, 34 to 40. We, we opened with this last week as well. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so we, I'm, I'm sharing this because we have to understand that we have to know that we're loved. And if we don't know that we're loved, then us gathering together is going to be quite difficult at times. But we have to know that we're loved because it's only when we understand how much God loves us that we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And so it's important. And, you know, part of it is we learn that through church. We are to learn it through our families that God has placed us in, but we also learn that through our church as well. And I shared this last week, but Diana told me exactly how her dad said it, so I'm going to get it right today. Um, God calls the church his Heinz 57 variety. And he calls us all together with all kind of different backgrounds, all kind of different problems, all kind of different hang-ups and everything else and all the quirks that we have, he brings us together, declares that we're church, that we're family, and then he says, love one another and get along. So that's what he's called us to do. 
In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, it says this, For through Him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Hallelujah. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, if I say joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about the church here. He's talking about us coming together and growing, being joined together. And then he says this in verse 22, in him, meaning Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So God is building us together by the Spirit, but it's also so that He can fill us with His Spirit. And then again in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so this morning we're going to look at this in and see how close the church is to the heart of the Father. And then we'll hopefully conclude next week as well with this. But when we get saved, we become part of the family of God. And that means we become part of the body of Christ. And that is the, the universal church, the big church. But it's also Christ. We have to realize that. But it's also the local church. And... We always have to remember each aspect of the family of God. And then, you know, you hear this from people as well, that as much as uh, the church is not the four walls, and it's not, it's us, but it is also the four walls. Because we need to have a place where we're gathering together, where we're committed to come together, to grow and to help one another, and to encourage and strengthen and to be there for one another. You can't do that if you don't meet together. You wouldn't have known about Diana unless you were here this morning. You don't know about Dixie's brother unless you're here this morning. And, you know, and there's other examples that we've had throughout the thing. But we need to know that it's important for us to have a church family, a local church that we gather together with. And so there needs to be that place, whether it's a house, a building, a rented space, somewhere we, where we say, this is our meeting place. There is something about where we gather to be connected to one another. Now, as we're looking at this, remember, church is not man's idea. It is God's idea. He came up with it. And if he came up with it, that means that it's close to his heart. And if you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, please. Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 7. Ephesians 3, 7. He says, Paul is speaking, he says, Of this gospel... I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, 
though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? The unsearchable riches of Christ. That means when you start searching, you're never going to come to an end of the riches in Christ. Whoo! Hallelujah. So start seeking if you're not. Verse 9. And to bring to light for everyone, listen to this, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, and now he's going to tell us what it is, so that through the church, everybody say through the church. You thought I was going to say so that. You can say that. Listen, through the church. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might, be made, might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. He didn't say through individuals, even though individuals make up the church. But he said through the church, his manifold wisdom would be revealed. That means the church has to be close to his heart. And if you don't get it in verse 10, then he says something in verse 11 and, and that is important as well. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this was God's plan all along. It's his eternal purpose. Verse 12. And, and this pertains to us once we get this, once we understand the importance of the local church, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. Isn't that awesome? So we can be bold. We can access the confidence that we need. We're going to get that from one another as we rub shoulders with one another on a regular basis as we're committed to one another. Now, we know of the struggles that Paul has had throughout all of his life after his conversion and stuff. So here's a man who is speaking of knowing what it means to suffer. And notice what he says in verse 13. Now, remember, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And he says, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. Now, I believe that he says that because Paul understands that if you're going to be committed to Christ and you're going to be committed to a local church, eventually you're going to have struggles. You're going to suffer some things. And you need to know how to suffer them. And he's letting us know. He says, look, don't lose heart when you see my suffering because it's for your glory. Isn't that awesome? So he says, through the church, according to his eternal purpose, the church is God's idea and it's very close to his heart. And knowing all of that, Paul tells us then, do not lose heart when the attacks come, when suffering comes, because we know that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Remember? All right, just in case you don't, Matthew 16, 18, 
And this is where Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I want you to notice what Jesus said. He didn't say anything. He said, my church. Jesus said he will build his church, my church. This church and every other church belongs to God, belongs to Jesus. And since church is God's idea, he watches over it and is close to his heart. And then we also know that Christ is the head of the church. So if Christ is the head of the church, it's close to his heart. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul describes this, and he uses marriage to describe it. So I want us to see this and see what God has done for the church, just in this small section of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Isn't that amazing? Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. So we're part of the body of Christ, and we're going to look into this more next week, but we're part of the body of Christ. Individually, corporately together here, locally, but then also in the bigger picture of the universal church, but understanding that we're the body of Christ. Verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And then this is a challenge to husbands, but look at what he does for the church. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church. Hallelujah. The church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so, when we look at this, how did Christ love the church? The scripture says, that he gave himself up for her. Sanctifying the church. That's you and I individually. But that's you and I as we come together corporately. But that's all of us and all the other churches that are uh, 
there in the name of Christ, then he's sanctifying us. He's, he's loved us. He's given himself for us. But he's sanctifying us. Cleansing us with the washing of the word. He's working things out, presenting us to himself, not as weak and feeble, but in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or anything else. That we might be holy and without blemish. You see, that's what God is after in our lives. Individually, but also together corporately. And he's working all of this out. The church is close to his heart. He's given himself. You know, when Paul said, love as God, as Christ loved the church. And the first thing is, he gave himself up for the church. That means the church is close to his heart. And then he says that in this relation, Christ nourishes and cherishes the church. You know, when our kids were younger, this reminded me of this. When they would argue with one another, they were 15 months apart, daughter and a son. And when they would argue with one another, we would call time out. And then we would make them face each other. And then they had to repeat this to one another. Because we had instilled within them that it was by God's design that they became brothers and sisters. Or brother and sister. And so God meant that. And they, they can't argue with it. They don't have a say to argue with it. And so we would have them face one another. And we would have them repeat. I choose to love, honor, and cherish you. Now, Caleb used to always do that. Get in trouble with his sister on purpose. Because then we made them hug each other. And he always wanted to be hugged. Alicia never wanted to be hugged. He always did. And so he would, I know he did this on purpose a few times. He would cause trouble so that we would make them do that. And then they would, he would have, Alicia would have to hug him. But really, he wanted to hug her. But we would do that. And this is the way Christ is with us. Nourishes and cherishes the church. It's close to his heart. Because we're members of his body and he loves his body. The physical body, but the universal big body and the local body. And since Christ loves the church and he gave himself up for the church and everything else that we just read, then we know that he is invested in the church. And so he takes special interest in the church. And if he does, then we ought to as well. The church is not something to be taken lightly. Gathering together is not something that is to be taken lightly. Being established and planted in a local church is not to be taken casually, but to be committed to on purpose. We can only live so long being committed to the big church without being committed to a local church. You know, and, and we've seen this with COVID. COVID has wreaked havoc on some people's mindset of the local church. And they think that they can live off of what they hear on, you know, YouTube and all this other stuff. But that will only help you for a little while. 
You need to have that place where you come together and you rub shoulders, you meet, you talk, you see each other face to face. You learn the things that God wants us to learn by coming together. You know, it was great all that was taking place when COVID hit and everything shut down. That was great. We could glean, but you know what? Now there's time when we, we need to be together once again. And then we need to stop looking for the perfect church. The one without hypocrites. Because there isn't a church without hypocrites. Just a show of hands. You don't have to declare any names. You don't have to do anything. Just a show of hands. How many of you work and you know that there's hypocrites at your place of work? Raise your hand. Yeah. How many people know that there are hypocrites at your favorite grocery store? Raise your hand. How many of us know that there's hypocrites at our favorite restaurant, or restaurants in my case? Yes. You know, it's amazing. We still go to work. We still go to our grocery store. We still go to uh, the restaurant. But as soon as we find a hypocrite in church, we're willing to cancel everything. Now, what kind of sense does that make? And it's, it's, it's crazy. It's not sound. And it's a lie from the enemy to think that everything is going to be perfect when you go to church. I mean, it's not perfect just for the fact that you're there. So then why look for everybody else to be perfect and to do everything exactly right? We're all learning. We're all growing. We're all changing. You know how healthy things grow and growing things change. And it's easy to say, but, you know, when you're changing. I'm not sure that it's a matter of there being hypocrites in the church. It's a matter of the church isn't, isn't close to our heart like it is to Christ and like it should be in our lives. It's close to the Father's heart. It's close to the heart of Jesus. It's close to the heart of the Holy Spirit. He loves it when we gather together. He's anticipating when we're gathering together. He's looking forward to showing up when we gather together. Isn't that awesome? But we just take it casually and, and just, you know, lightly. And, well, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, I don't. When we miss the importance of the church to our Father and to our Savior Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit, then we miss the need of being committed and being connected to one another through the imperfect local church filled with hypocrites that God created and designed. Remember, church isn't our idea. It's God's idea. I shared with you last week that and, and you've, if you've been here any length of time, you know this. God's not afraid of your past. 
He didn't say, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Their past is just way too bad. He doesn't say that. So if he's not afraid of our past, we don't need to be afraid of our past. But the same is true with our churches. If he's not afraid of our past, then we shouldn't be afraid of our past either. This is what God has created. This is his design. And it's amazing to me that throughout the years, I've been here 30 years, throughout the years we've had people come up and they'll tell us, they say, this church is more family to me than my own family is. And that's not necessarily God's design, but thank God that there's a family that you can belong to. You know, and some of it's for various reasons. You've moved and, you know, different things like that. But some of it is, is it's not good. And you need some place to be connected. And God says it's, it's the local church. When they're saying that, it's, they're letting us know that they feel connected and supported through being connected and supported here. And that's exactly what God planned when he instituted the church, the family. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And again, the local church is made up of families coming together at a set location and sharing life together, the good, the bad, and the ugly. They meet together with the intentions of becoming more like Christ and growing in all that he has and then reaching into the community and then reaching into the world with the kingdom of God and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ for all mankind. In Ephesians chapter 3, we're back there. Starting in verse 14 now. I remember reading this for the first time and just being awestruck by the words that Paul chooses here. He says in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason, I kneel before the Father. The Father. From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now, there's no perfect family either. The family I came from, mom and dad, and then there's seven of us. And to think that God prearranged all of that. God declared all of that. And there's no one perfect in our family either. And we're all different. My brothers and sisters have some of the craziest ideas. I don't understand it. And they have the audacity to think that I have crazy ideas as well. And they don't understand it. But we love one another. And this is all because of our Heavenly Father. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in the knowledge 
of the Bible. No, he says, rooted and grounded in one thing first, love. Isn't that amazing? Of all the things that God wants us to be rooted and grounded in, he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love more than anything else. Why? Because you're going to need to be rooted and grounded when I put you in a family, and then when that family goes to another family and connects with other families, and you become a church, and then you all are like Heinz 57 variety, and you have to get along. You can't get along unless you figure out how to love, and you have to know that you're loved by God so that you can love others as yourself. That we're rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Not some of it, but all of it. Why? Because we need it. And the fullness that I don't have, you have. You have a part of that. We all have a part. And when we all come together, we all have a part to play. And we'll look at that next week. This prayer is all about knowing the love of God for ourselves first and then for each other so that we can walk in faith and, and grow stronger in our knowledge of his love for us. And filled not with a little bit of the fullness of God, but with all of it. And when you're full of all the fullness of God, that means you're overflowing. And this happens when we share life together as a local body. Being committed to one another and then sharing the love of God. Or sharing the love God has for us to a world that needs to know Him and His love as well. The church, the body of Christ, His physical body, the universal church... And the local church being his body is very, very, very close to the heart of our Father. And I pray that it's close to our heart as well. If you'll stand with me. If you don't know this, God is amazing. <laughs> His wisdom is beyond our understanding. But I'm so glad that we get to participate in it by being family, by being a local church. Knowing that we're close to His heart. He's done a lot for the church, so... He's going to do a lot for us. Individually as well as corporately and for this community, for this state. You know, and as I was going through this, and, and I'll probably share it more next week, just the awesomeness of when we had, uh, at the beginning of this, this month, the conference here, and we had the different churches represented and even different states represented. I mean, that's amazing. Only God can pull that off. But he does it by his design. The church is his idea. And he's looking out for it. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day and the love that you have for us. And Father, I thank you for the truth of your word and, and the understanding of 
how close the church is to your heart. And Father, I pray that as it's close to your heart, that by your Holy Spirit and by the grace given to us, you will cause the church, the body of Christ, the universal church and the local church, that it would be close to our heart as well. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Go out and be blessed. Yes. Thank you. And go make a difference. And we're going to pray for Diana.